The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Travel trend, present, best and beyond Though you weren't with us too long That was the most precious thing we could lose While you were here, the fun was never ending Life a minute was only beginning Welcome, Duval, to the 78th episode of the Gin Jack Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined, as always, by Scott Klein. The Jaguars are 1-0, heading into Week 2, a big AFC Championship rematch with the Patriots, coming off a, a big win in New York against the New York football Giants. A um, lot of thoughts on that game, on the Week 1 win in New York. I was able to go uh, have a good time, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. It's cold, rainy, wet, miserable. Was not prepared for that. My friends up in New York were uh, telling me, oh, it's been hot all week. Don't worry about it. Just bring shorts and t-shirts. Freezing cold, rainy, <laughs> the works. Anyways, we still had a great time. Uh, Jaguars came away with the victory, but we'll get more into that here in a little bit. How are you doing, Scott? Doing good. Overall feeling on doing Wednesday good. heading into Jaguars Patriots. The season is back. Yep. That's the biggest thing. Man, it's been yeah, a long Just time having time. football back has been really exciting. I know everyone that listens to the show is big football fans. We're big football fans, not just Jaguar fans. We enjoy it all. So it's yeah. been pretty awesome. I had 11 hours of football on my team. Although Scott did beat me in fantasy football oh, this weekend. Yeah, that what a comeback. Matthew yeah. Stafford kind of screwed you. <laughs> just just a little bit. No doubt about it. But this is not the fantasy football podcast. This is the Gen Jag podcast. <clears throat> uh, follow Scott Klein on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. You can follow myself, at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter, and, of course, follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. You can check out our website, genjag.com, for all the latest news, analysis, videos, and, of course, all of our podcasts are up there on genjag.com. We've got new Duval-themed gear dropping weekly. You can check all that out at genjag.com. So uh, we've also got Bold City Brewery. As usual, well, as always, I should say, hooking us up with some great beers. You can follow them online, boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. Check out their downtown location on East Bay Street or their original tap room over on Roselle and Riverside. Big shout out to those guys, always hooking it up with some great beers. Um, please subscribe to the show on SoundCloud and iTunes, the iTunes Podcasts app. And if you're able, please leave us a review on the iTunes Podcasts app. Those reviews really help more people that are Jaguars fans looking for good content find us. So if you can, please review us on the iTunes Podcasts app. 
And a uh, quick reminder, tailgate this Sunday at noon. Strata Warehouse downtown, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. Free food and beer for Gin Jag members all season long. You can sign up at ginjag.com. We will have pizza this weekend, and we will have the usual beer from Bold City Brewery, Green Room, uh, Carved Vodka. We'll have plenty of all that good stuff down at the tailgate this weekend. Again, that's the Strata Warehouse, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. So, Scott, we've got a lot to get into today. Injuries, Jaguars versus Giants thoughts. We'll take you around the AFC South, look at what the other division rivals got going on. And we will do a new segment, Pump the Brakes. And, of course, we will preview the Jaguars and Patriots and give you some keys to victory. So we've got a lot to get to today. Um, Where to start? I guess we can start with the Jaguars win over the Giants. It all started with a kickoff. That's right, it sure did. About the 35 <laughs> Well, okay, that's maybe a little bit too in-depth. So, yeah, they went into New York. Really sloppy weather, as I mentioned before. Raining the whole game. Yeah. Cold the whole game. It didn't really... You couldn't really yeah. catch it on the broadcast. Right, as I watched and as I heard from other people that were not at the game and as I went back and watched the uh, game to do some film study... It didn't look nearly as bad as it was. It yeah. was sloppy out there. You could uh, kind of see it every now and then when they looked, when they got shot to the, into the crowd and yeah. stuff like that, but it looked just... It gross. wasn't easy. It was not an easy uh, playing condition. Certainly to have your first game in that type of weather conditions is not ideal, but the Jaguars were able to survive. 20-15 to 15 victory against the New York Giants. So let's go ahead and begin with the passing offense which was probably the weakest area mm-hmm. of the whole team. Uh, you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, it seemed early on they had a good rhythm. You know, Cole did what he did. I think it was the second play of the game. Yeah, and great catch down the great field. Catch. Great throw. Yeah, right on the money. Um, never really seemed to get anyone in rhythm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's to me, it seemed like, okay, Cole got his catch. Now, Didi's going to get a couple catches, and we're going to focus on him. And now, hey, Austin's fair and Jenkins is going to be, you know, it's his turn to go in a couple plays. It just seemed like the, the flow seemed off yeah. a bit. And it, it never really seemed like they got into too much of a rhythm. I think they were starting to, and then Leonard Fournette went down and kind of threw a wrench in the plans. But the passing game, it needs to be better. I mean, flat out. That's the biggest weakness probably on the team. At this moment. Definitely. I'd agree that it's the <clears throat> biggest weakness, but I don't think it necessarily will be a weakness throughout the entire season. I might want to clarify that by saying all the other aspects are just really good. Right. <laughs> I mean, just because it's the worst doesn't mean it's terrible. Right. And uh, at times it did look terrible. Certainly in the second half, the entire offense really didn't yeah. look good. We'll get into the running game after the passing game. But the passing game did struggle. It dropped off in the second half. Um Bortles completed 54% of his passes. That's not like a super low number for him. He did average over 60% completions in 2017, but 54% isn't like some number that you're just not used to seeing from Blake Bortles. So it's not like it was crazy inefficient. Um, There were some drops on the day. Certainly uh, the drops don't help, but again, the weather as a whole didn't help. I think it really affected both offenses, definitely affected Bortles and his accuracy. 
Uh, there were some bright spots, though. He got a uh, one-yard touchdown pass to T.J. Yeldon on a nice out route. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also hit Austin Safarian Jenkins for a would-be touchdown pass. Uh, they got yeah. called back because of a uh, legal hands-to-the-face penalty on the offensive line. But that was an excellent throw, excellent catch from Bortles to ASJ. Almost had another interception and then a touchdown to right. Miles Paul. The interception... I, I in my mind I think interceptions, yeah. uh, which I, I can't really do that. But he threw one uh, that was easily picked off by Janoris Jenkins. Probably wasn't the best placement of the ball, but also Moncrief did not fight for the pass at all. Yeah, it just seemed like that's went that entire um, sequence just continued happening throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, they kept going for. I don't know if he was going for the back shoulder throw and Monk Grief was just trying to get behind Janoris Jenkins, which looked like he might have had a step on him. Yeah. If there's a little bit more put on there, he might have gotten to him. But it just seemed off that hit with Moncrief specifically, yeah. just not really being on the same page. Which is kind of surprising. Some people might be like, oh, it's their first game together. But they showed a lot of chemistry mm-hmm. during training camp and even prior to that in minicamp, but live game is different, certainly. Um, should have been picked up by Janoris Jenkins again on a pass to Niles Paul. Niles Paul almost came down with the touchdown after Jenkins dropped it and let it sail into Paul's hands, but that was really... That was worse than the actual interception. That was a terrible read. Yeah, it, it, it was... If he puts more air under it, it's a touchdown, easily. Right. The but way he was throwing that ball was... That yeah, was it was not. too. It was just too. It was flat. Yeah, it just put a little bit of touch on it. It gets over the defender easily, and that's six points. Yeah. So, uh, Bortles was surprisingly effective when you look at certain players he was throwing the ball to. Five of six to D.D. Westbrook. Three of four to Keelan Cole. Three of five to Austin Zavarian Jenkins. Four net. Three of three before he left the game. Absolutely abysmal when targeting Moncrief. Like we said, mm-hmm. there was no chemistry between those two guys going on um, on Sunday. He was one of five when targeting Moncrief. Yeah. 20%. I mean, that is just awful. And then he was also three of seven when targeting Yeldon, which uh, is kind of surprising, but that's not likely to continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Yeldon's a very good receiver out of the backfield, and... Uh, that shouldn't be an issue moving forward. But, again, ineffective in the second half, ineffective when targeting Dante Moncrief. You really... I'm I'm, happy, I'm fine with all the receivers' performances outside of Dante Moncrief. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were opportunities. You look back at the film, I mean, there's open players out there. I mean, whether it, sometimes he would just check down too quickly, sometimes he would be looking elsewhere. But um, we were talking before we got on... We started recording... Austin Safarian Jenkins was just flashing all over the field. Yeah. He just didn't get the ball thrown to him that much. And I think the coaches are going to show, like, in the film room, say he can beat these guys and does regularly. You yeah. know, give him a chance. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just sometimes he made the decision just a little bit too quick when he still had a clean pocket, didn't really let the play develop, and just dumped it down to, to, to Yeldon on a third down specifically that Yeldon ended up dropping where – Safarian Jenkins would have had a huge play down the middle of the field. Right. So chemistry on there, you know, really being able to trust these guys. There's a lot of new faces in the building. Um, it has to get better. 
No doubt about um, it. Yes. Now, pass protection was superb for the most part. Mm-hmm. Andrew Norwell did allow the lone sack on an inside rush. But other than that, and the couple of penalties, uh, Cam Robinson mm-hmm. and um, Andrew Norwell getting the illegal hands to the face. Other than that, you really like what you saw from the pass protection from the offensive mm-hmm. line, certainly. Uh, moving on to the running game, you want to start off with that? Yeah, I mean, I just thought coming out of the gate, they just looked spectacular. I mean, Fournette had holes that he was running through that just weren't there last year. Um, there was He even had some success having a big play at a shotgun um, off to the left side of the line of scrimmage that went for, I think, 12, 13 yards. They really seemed like they were just getting the ball rolling. Um, now, losing your best running back obviously is going to hurt. And I think TJ Yeldon, you know, they, he, did it, he did what the coaches asked of him. You know, he, had, he didn't have a spectacular game, but, day, but he was putting up good yards, you know. It just I think they kind of got away from the running game a little bit and started to kind of fall back into what they did last year. And Blake Bortles threw the ball 34 times. Yeah. In a game where, you know, it's still, it's, you know, it was 13 to 3 at halftime. You're not necessarily blowing them out. You can still have that balance, you know. that it, it, it seemed like they got. Yeah, there was times you know, where they just threw the ball three times in a row. Yeah. Not really what you want to see. And just not, like we talked about earlier, just no flow to the offense. Yeah. You know, never really gotten a rhythm in the second half. Yeah, losing Fournette was really big, mm-hmm. obviously. He was playing really well before he left the game. I felt that in the second half, just the run blocking really, really kind of diminished. And Yeldon subsequently hmm. wasn't able to establish much in the second half at all. Um, I think that the conditions, playing conditions, the Fournette injury... Um, the lack of a really effective passing attack, all that combined for just a poor second half from the rushing attack. And and I think, just just going over it in my mind again, I think that possibly only having Corey Grant as the other running back on the roster ha- might have had something to do with that because clearly they don't seem comfortable putting him in there. Yeah, they don't seem comfortable yeah, lining him up and running him in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like something they want to do. Because... Pretty much, if he's in the, if he's in the game, he's not going to be pass blocking. No. So most likely, he's going to get the ball. So it, it might they might feel like it tees tees the defense off to be able to focus on that. Perhaps yeah. maybe the, I, we really didn't see as much of Corey Grant as I thought we would. Not saying that he's the kind of back that's going to actually just run the ball between the tackles, like you said. Right. But just even making it on the field. Even in passing situations. Yeah, it didn't seem Strange. much at all. Uh, without Bortles' 41-yard run in the second half, uh, the Jaguars would have finished with under 100 yards rushing, mm-hmm. 41 of which uh, came from Fournette prior to his injury. So really would like to would have liked to have seen the rest of the running game kind of pick up the slack after Fournette went out, but that didn't happen. But Bortles' 41-yard run... That's another thing you really have to worry about when you're facing the Jaguars is Bortles' legs. And that didn't lead to directly to points or a score for the Jaguars on that drive, but it did help flip the field in the second half, which yeah. that's almost just as important, They were, honestly. I think they were inside their own 10-yard line. Just getting out of the, the, 
the shadow of the goalposts, being able to flip the field when your defense is as good as it had been, I mean, it's it's huge, especially late in the game. Making somebody drive 80 yards instead of 50 or 60, right. it's, a, it's that much more difficult on an offense. So, I mean, Blake Bortles, he's a top five rushing running, uh, quarterback. In, in the history of the NFL, <laughs> he's got no the, he's got the third highest yard per carry in the NFL behind Michael Vick and somebody else who I cannot Are you remember. Like Randall Cunningham, maybe? No, it was it's not a very recognizable name. Okay, but um, so yeah, I mean he's got a I mean he's very very good at making plays on the run, and it looked like to me it was just a strict you give the ball you just read. Option. Yeah. You give it if 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 you see what you want to see, take off. I love that. I love Austin Severian Jenkins gave the touchdown symbol. Yeah, and Blake was like, uh-uh. a little no. premature. I knew on that. that I knew that wasn't going to happen. But um, still, a great effort there by Blake, and just one of the one of the reasons the Jaguars do feel confident in him as their quarterback is his ability athletically to make plays with his legs, and that really shown shown through there on that play. So. Uh, Overall, from the offense, not great. They put up 13 points. Again, all of that came in the first half. Second half was really ugly for the offense. You want to see that improve moving forward. But they were able to get the job done and move the ball occasionally in the second half. Not really very often. But their their first half was pretty impressive. You got to give them credit for that. Yeah. I mean, it looked like they were starting to get things rolling. Um, Losing... Maybe your best offensive player, it's going to hurt. Yeah, and, and they're going to need more from their offense next week. I agree. No doubt about it. Switching sides of the ball, the Jaguars' run defense. <sighs> if you just look at the stats, just look at the box score, you're like, oh, they gave up over 100 yards rushing. They didn't have a great day. They did have a fantastic day. They, had, they gave up one run to Saquon Barkley. It was a 68-yard run, touchdown run. Obviously, you never want to have a 68-yard run happen on your defense, but Barkley is a freak. Uh, Absolutely going to be a superstar in the NFL. Outside of his 68-yard run, he averaged only 2.24 yards per carry against the Jaguars' defense on 17 carries. I mean, they stifled him. It was a a great showing, and um, the run defense you worry about more than the pass defense. I think that that narrative might change as we move forward throughout this season because that run defense was fantastic. Miles Jack was really, really effective mm-hmm. uh, against the run. He ended up with 10 tackles. So I really like what I saw out of the run defense. Obviously, you don't want the 68-yard run, but these things do happen. Yeah, and if if that's another back besides Saquon Barkley, that might be like a five, ten yard gain at most because right. he broke a couple tackles and bounced it out to the outside, which is what he does. I mean, that's why he was drafted number two overall. Right. So give him credit. I mean, that's why they drafted him. He's an explosive home run hitter. He's if you give him enough carries, he's going to give you results like that. But the fact that it took him as long as it did, you you would like to not have it end up in a touchdown. But I mean he's he's a great run he's a great running back. Um, and yeah, like you said, everybody was making plays. Marcel Darius 
looked like the fastest man over 330 pounds. Yeah. I mean, he chased down Saquon Barkley on an outside run. And that speaking was so of, impressive. I mean, Miles Jack almost chased down Barkley at the end of that <laughs> run there, too. His 68-yard run. Obviously wasn't able to quite catch him, but just the fact that he has the speed to even get close. Mm-hmm. And this and long runs were a problem last year. Um, they it, were. It was that was the chunk of the yardage. Um, it just it needs to be reined in a little bit. I mean, it's it's hard for you to say because it was just missed tackles. It wasn't. It was nothing really scheme wise that can fix it. It wasn't really anything where oh you know put this guy in this position. It's just he made a great play and the guy who was supposed to make the play failed. Right. And it broke down. Um, I'm absolutely pleased with the running defense. Um, probably a bit more than the pass defense. Yeah, it's, it's a little tricky, yeah. I think. Uh, we'll get into the pass defense. Obviously, everybody wanted to see Ramsey versus OBJ, mm-hmm. which there was a fair amount of. And yeah. I believe OBJ won Yeah, I, against yeah. Ramsey. I think he, it was pretty obvious. I think certainly some Ramsey homers are going to argue that. Mm-hmm. Like, but... OBJ had a really good game, but I don't think the Jaguars were trying necessarily to shut down OBJ. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of allowed the the Giants to do what they wanted with OBJ and took away everything else. Evan Ingram was ineffective. Mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard had a few catches, but he was held under 50 yards. Um, Saquon Barkley didn't do much in terms of receiving. So... I don't know, maybe OBJ won that battle, but I don't think that in terms of the Giants passing attack versus the Jaguars pass defense that they won that battle as a whole. Yeah. The I Jaguars mean, won that battle. It was you can look at if you look at just the numbers, Eli had a pretty below average day. I mean it wasn't wasn't very effective. No touchdown passes. Yeah. Um through that one interception, uh, that was brought back for a pick six. So it wasn't necessarily Super effective. Um, I, I guess I have. I see as the 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 personal, uh, not the personal fouls, but the pass interference penalties as them getting beat. They got beat. The defense right. got beat. Right, especially that one drive where uh, Barry Church got the pass interference against mm-hmm. OBJ, and then very quickly after that, Ramsey a few plays later mm-hmm. got the same call pass interference against OBJ. And I think in that moment, they did the right thing. If they yeah, did, if they didn't do that, they're giving up a touchdown. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think with such a talented defense, you can give up a 15-yard chunk of from a pass interference. Because you, you feel like you can stop them. Right, you can mm-hmm. stop them later. Yeah. Um, and it worked against the Giants. There were several plays in which if Eli was just a tad more yeah. accurate, there was a couple touchdowns left on the board. Mm-hmm. But uh, that goes towards the Jaguars' pass rush, which yeah. is part of the pass defense. Exactly. <laughs> um, and the reason that they weren't able to be... Uh, part of the reason, at least, that Manning wasn't able to be more accurate on those throws is the pressure that he was under. Um, Jaguars only got two sacks, but they did get six quarterback hits and... They were a lot. Eli gets the ball out quick. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of pressure on him for a lot of the game. Yeah, I mean, their offensive line was struggling, not just Eric Flowers. Right, it was I the mean, offensive line as a whole. Unique. And, I've heard people actually bashing Unique and Gakwe because man, he was he didn't even get a sack against his terrible deep offensive line. No, 
Watch that game again. Don't just keep listen. your eye on your neck. Don't listen to those fools. He was an animal. He was in Eli's grill the entire game. It's you don't have to get a sack to affect the quarterback, and he did that the entire the entire game long. Yeah. Um, he had a great game. Calais had a great game. Laurentian McRae had yeah, a fantastic Laurenti game. Yeah, McRae was whooping Eric Flowers, Marcel too. Darius played mm-hmm. very well. Avery Jones had a solid game. Um, got the tip. Uh, he got the tip pass that led to the Miles Jack interception return for a touchdown that ended up being the game-winning score. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look all around, it was a solid performance by the defense. I have to give some kudos to DJ Hayden. Because yep. he might have been the best defender on the field outside of Miles Jack to me that day. Uh, very, played very well. I mean, he played physically when he when he got to receivers that he needed to tackle on the sideline. I remember one specifically. He just really led into him more so than I had seen from him in training camp or preseason. He was excellent in coverage and uh, really was impressive for a guy that most people saw as the weakest link on the defense. You're starting nickel. And I'm, and I'm before we get too far, I, I wanted to address something on the run defense. They had a lot of plays, um, like reverses and kind of misdirection type plays, that did absolutely nothing. I mean, when it, when when you go up against a team like the Jaguars with all the speed, you yeah. try and get them flowing one way and then take it the other way. They were on top of it. Yeah. I mean, early not, on when they were in the red zone on third down and they decided <laughs> yeah. to do that. With uh, OBJ getting him on the outside, that was I could not believe that that was the play they thought was going to score them yeah. a touchdown against the Jaguars' defense. Very disciplined. Um, it, it, I mean, they they played a great game. Uh, the penalties on the defense were pretty killer. Um, it's something where they ended up not being in this game, but they could be, especially correct. against teams like. The Patriots, who are yeah. coming to town this week. I, I, at halftime, I was I was convinced that the penalties were going to end up coming back and biting them at the end of the game. It didn't happen, but it will one day if yeah. they don't get this straightened out. And I feel like we were talking the same way last year. Yes. At this time. No Just, question. Too many penalties. Too many penalties. They've got to get corrected, but... You do look at a lot of the best teams around the league from year to year, and you see a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know how that works out, but it can certainly cost you in, in certain games. You might be a heavily penalized team throughout the year and end up with a great record, but you cannot have crucial penalties and crucial moments in crucial games. You just can't have it. Uh, back to the past events. A.J. Boye. Stellar. Yeah. They were like not even targeting him. It seemed like yeah, he didn't, didn't even hear. You never heard from him. He yeah, was just doing his thing. So Shut that's awesome. Um, I think Ramsey's really gonna step it up moving forward. I don't think he played terrible by any mm-hmm. means, but he didn't play his best football. Yeah, I mean, even in the preseason when he played, he he wasn't. He didn't look like the same guys last year. Yeah. Um, he didn't really contribute very much to training camp because he had obviously he was doing other things he just had a kid um he knows when to turn it on i don't know if he was but you would think that against a guy like obj the competition would be up a little bit it just didn't seem like it was all there yet yeah but this 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 week 
It'll be a big test. They don't have the star power that uh, the Giants have, but they got that one guy. <laughs> that one guy that throws What's the ball name? everywhere. No. We don't even do that. we don't even need to talk about that right now. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later mm. in the show. Uh, wrapping up for Jags Giants recap. Special teams. Uh, excellent day on special teams by my estimation. The rookie Logan Cook, a lot of people are like, eh, he didn't play great. He only averaged 38 yards a punt. Landed four of his punts inside the 20. Mm-hmm. Again, was able to really help out that Jaguars defense with field position. And the Jags defense was almost able to get a couple of safeties on the same oh, same I drive. I mean, I think it's pretty questionable whether or not. <laughs> but uh, we don't need to worry about the refs. The Jaguars got the job done. And Logan Cook got the job done on my mind. Mm-hmm. And his final punt uh, had that really weird uh, end-over-end type thing going on to where it makes it really difficult to field the punt. And uh, Kalen Clay muffed it as DJ Chark was bearing down on Mm -hmm. him, and Donald Payne was able to recover the punt, which sealed the game, sealed the victory for the Jaguars. So Cook did a good job. Um, Lambeau, two of two on field goals, made his two extra point attempts. Excellent, per usual. What's new? Jaden Mickens was fine, uh, kick and punt return. He didn't do anything to wow you, really. But you feel good when he's back there. You don't feel yeah. like the Jaguars are about to muff a punt. Mm-hmm. Which, until he got to Jacksonville, you really was were sketchy. worried. In the middle yeah. of last season. That's why they, they, put, they put Brian Walters back there, right. just because he could catch the ball. That was in 2016. <laughs> yeah. They just put him back there. As long as you can catch the ball and don't do anything <laughs> yeah. else, we're good. <laughs> So, yeah, you don't feel that way anymore. You feel pretty confident when he's back there. And that's uh, – you can't say enough about what that does for for your team, mm-hmm. just having a guy you can rely on back there. Um, so, yeah, special teams, really good. Uh, I think if they can continue to perform that way, it's going to be huge. I mean, you get a special teams turnover, 100% on field goals, landing punts inside the 20. I like it. Yeah, and I want to point out, we've now been talking for 20, 29 minutes. We just now mentioned DJ Chark's name. Yeah, that's true. He was not targeted. He barely played. Uh, kind of surprising, but maybe with Dante Moncrief's struggles, you might see mm-hmm. an uptick in DJ Chark if Moncrief continues to struggle. I don't think that one game is going to be mm. enough for the Jaguars to try to give up on yeah. a guy that they're paying $9 million a year to. Mm-hmm. But it was not a good start. Yeah, and it's going to be something where they can, now they have tape against, you know, actual frontline defenders and actual real-time game film. Get some of those things cleaned up. If you yeah. continue to see it over the first quarter of the season, then we're talking about a different story. <laughs> and... Uh, Final thing before we move on from the Giants game. I think the Jaguars did a really good job considering there's a new head coach, a new offensive system, a running back who's never played a down in the NFL that might be the most talented runner in football. Uh, They just didn't have the tape to study heading into that game, and they still were able to be extremely effective. Um, They know what the Patriots do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they should be able, theoretically, to be more prepared against the Patriots than they were against the Giants last week. And to me, it felt kind of like, kind of like the Bills game before the Steelers in the playoffs last year, where they didn't really do much. 
They didn't really get it. They didn't really try and press the issue. They just wanted to get in there, win, and go home. Yep. It kind of felt a little bit like that to me. You're absolutely right. There's, it felt similar to that. There's something. There's a game this week looming that if you don't think they're looking at for the entire offseason, you're lying to yourself. Oh, uh, no question. Because <laughs> this game already has home field advantage throughout mm-hmm. the playoff implications on the line. Yep. Uh, it's way premature to say that, but it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you beat the Patriots and you handle your division, you're in really good shape. Yeah, I mean, this is arguably the toughest test left on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, you got, uh, you got the, Eagles. the Eagles, obviously, and Pittsburgh, but I think this I is, would this say is, this is tougher than Pittsburgh. Yeah, Eagles might be tougher. Yeah. But not as important. Like yeah, agreed. Not nearly as important. Um, so new segment, pump the brakes. <laughs> Basically, we're just telling fans that are overreacting to something, pump the brakes, or maybe some other facet of football, pump the brakes. Scott, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, for me, even throughout the game, there was just a lot of doom and gloom. I mean, throughout the game. Even after we won, it was, oh man, this this is gonna be rough. I mean, we're gonna get if we play like that against the Patriots, we're gonna lose. Well, obviously, I mean, we're not playing against the Patriots, but to me, I was pleased. It was a rough game, probably tougher than it should have been, but you just watched an arguably poor performance, probably potentially one of the one of the worst ones that we'll have offensively all year, hopefully. And we won the game. Right. That's what good football teams do. And that's not what the Jaguars did for a long time last season. Yeah. I mean, they they had a hard time winning close games last year. Yeah. Look at the Jets. I mean, they last the Jets last year just were stumbling over themselves yeah. and just never really were able to get a hold of it. Jets, Cardinals, 49ers, yeah. Titans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just to name a few games right there. Close games that if this game was... Last year, there's a good chance they would have lost, but they got it done this year. That's a really good sign. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. People are all doom and gloom. Just tell them, pump the brakes. Yeah. Jaguars are 1-0. It's, six, it's a 16-game season. I mean, you go, you have bad games, and you have games where literally nothing goes wrong. I mean, it's, yeah. you, can't have, you can't have it all the time. But the fact that you come out with a game like that and you win. Find a way to win. Yeah. <laughs> I think I mean, that's I'm what with we're you here there. Now, my pump the brakes. People are burying the Jaguars passing game. As I outlined before, Bortles was effective throwing the ball to several of his receivers. Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook, and Austin Safarian Jenkins. I believe he will be effective. Well, also Leonard Fournette before he got injured. I believe he'll be effective in the future throwing to Fournette and Yeldon as well, along with those three players. Um... Moncrief, the jury's still out in my opinion. There's talent in the Jaguars passing game. The pass protection is going to be there most weeks. Really good pass protecting unit. These guys are growing together. I think you're going to see a lot better performances in the future, maybe even this week. I don't think you should be burying the Jaguars passing attack just yet. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of potential and a lot of talent. The passing attack last year never really took hold until like December. And then it was out of its mind. I mean, Blake Bortles 
piloted that to one of the better right. offenses in the league throughout December. Yeah. So And again, this was a really sloppy playing condition. Yeah. No one has been mentioning that this week. It was raining and cold the entire game. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to play in that type of situation. In a hostile environment in New York, that stadium was loud, let me tell you. Um, I've been there to see the Giants, and I've been there to see the Jets. And the Giants are... The fans are much louder. Yeah. It was a it was a atmosphere. It was quite an atmosphere to be in. And they, I think, suffered a little bit from the atmosphere, from the weather, uh, from not having much continuity as a group in terms of all playing together. So I think moving forward, it's going to be a lot better uh, for the Jaguars passing attack. And... Um, I just think there's too much talent to not mm-hmm. see better performances than what we saw. Yeah, and guy, I mean, guys were open. Right. A, a lot of it is just saying, "Hey, Blake, you miss this one." You know, in the future, you know, if you get this certain look, he's going to be there. Right. And this was a new defense that they were game planning mm-hmm. for. They didn't really know exactly what they were going to be facing. Mm-hmm. Giants defense uh, had a lot of turnover and also. I believe it was new coordinator. So. I think the defensive coordinator came from Arizona last right, year, right. which gave us fits. <laughs> right, no question. They had the best, or one of the best, the Cardinals that is run defenses in the league last year, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think the Giants are a really talented team, uh, and I think it's possible that they compete for second place in their division. Yeah, likely even. Cowboys and don't look great. I don't think the Cowboys are going to really be that effective this year. Mm-hmm. And I think the for second place in that division, it's going to be a two-horse race between yeah. the Redskins and the Giants. But moving on, injuries. Uh, Jaguars are still fairly healthy. The obvious big thing we've got going on is Leonard Fournette left the game with a hamstring injury against the Giants. Uh, he said that he could have returned to the game. He told Josina Anderson after the game of ESPN that he would be good to go for the Jaguars' Week 2 matchup with the Patriots. Uh, Monday, the Jaguars said they feel pretty good about him, uh, but they'll take it day-to-day, see what happens. He did miss practice today, but he was off on the side stretching in uniform with his helmet. Uh, and Doug Marone today did say that he Leonard Fournette is a type of player that he would feel comfortable playing yeah. after not having any practice time all week. Yeah. Um, so I think you're looking for Fournette to play this weekend. I think it's mm-hmm. going to end up happening. I don't know if he'll be on a pitch count, how often he will be used, uh, but I do think you'll see him out there on Sunday. And hopefully he doesn't re-aggravate it. This is a huge contest, but... Yeah. W- Sacrificing Fournette for the rest of the season to win this game is not something I would do. And I don't think it's something that the coaching staff is going to do. No, I, I mean, if, if he's good to go, then that means he's good to go. Yeah. It's not like they're going to they're gonna really push the boundaries of what they can get away with right. because they know it's a long season. And he might have been good to go Yeah, you know, in the second half last week. So I think they're just being cautious, and we'll see what happens there. I but I think sh- he'll play. Yeah, I would be shocked to find out any sooner than like forty minutes before game time. Yeah, <laughs> that's when things are going to start coming out. Like, okay, yeah, he's playing or not? Just yeah. keep him guessing. So Linder, Brandon Linder, the Jaguars' starting center, he injured his knee in the preseason, and he hasn't been practicing a ton since then. 
but he did play, played well against the Giants. He missed practice Wednesday. According to Philip Hotman of the Florida Times Union, it's the Jaguars' plan all season to just not play him in practice on Wednesday. And then, uh, uh, you know, he should be good for game days. So he's not expected to miss an actual game here unless anything changes. Uh, other guys that are on the injury report but did participate in practice in some level on Wednesday were Leon Jan- Jacobs, who has an ankle injury, Jaguars starting, uh, Sam Linebacker. Jacobs uh, was in a walking boot on Monday, but again, the Jaguars said it was precautionary. They expect him to be able to play. Jeremy Parnell, he's been battling a knee injury for uh, since last week. He played and played well against the Giants. He should be good to go. Jadon Mickens, this is the first I've heard of it, but he has a minor knee tweak or injury. He participated in practice. He should be good to go. Austin Safarian Jenkins is still battling the core muscle injury. He played very well against the Giants, and I have no reason in my mind that he shouldn't be good to go this weekend. So your only real guy that has a real chance of missing this one at this point is Fournette, and you still feel pretty good about where he's at. Yeah, I mean, let's hope this healthy train keeps rolling. I mean, you got a couple guys with little, little nagging injuries here and there, but nothing that's going to keep them out of the game. Um, so, hell, I mean, if you can make it through the season relatively healthy, go in with the full squad into the playoffs, whew. Yeah, that'd be big. huge. Yeah. Now, uh, plus it's good that we're going to get that extra week off. That'd be nice. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, before we get into our AFC South Roundup, we'd like to remind everyone to follow Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack podcast, at Bold City Brewery on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As Scott pops one open, perfect timing there. And uh, you can also check them out, boldcitybrewery.com. Visit their new tap room, East Bay Street downtown, or their original tap room and brewery over on Roselle and Riverside. Also, to all of our listeners, we really appreciate you. We would really, really appreciate if you could leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app. Really help us out. Really help more people get tuned into this show. Now, AFC South Roundup. The Jaguars. Is it lonely at the top? Because I don't feel lonely. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> the Jaguars are 1-0. They're the only team in the SC South that is 1-0. Uh, the Titans fell to the Dolphins in Week 1. But that wasn't their only loss. Oof. Delaney Walker, IR, Taylor Lewan, concussion. Marcus Mariota's battling an injury. He did participate in practice Wednesday. But uh, that was really rough for them. Really bad outing against the Dolphins team that not many people have a lot of expectations for. Really rough for the Titans. Uh, Mike Vrabel's their new head coach. Remains to be seen what his legacy will be as their head coach, but it's not off to a hot start. Yeah, and when Mariota was in the game, he didn't he didn't look effective. I right. mean, he just looked like last year. So I mean, it's it's crazy how it's crazy how things have turned. I mean, to one of the bright young stars of the NFL coming off his rookie season, expecting so much from him, and he's just completely falling flat yeah he's a guy i like i mean i can't like him now that he's a titan but coming out of college i liked him and he's just he's a likable personality seems like a hard worker good kid but Mm -hmm. it's not working out right now uh titans are optimistic as he did participate in practice that he'll be on the field in week two and (laughs) they'll be facing 
the Houston Texans in Week 2. Texans lost to the Patriots last week. Deshaun Watson, boy, I mean, his six-game stretch last year was as good as it gets, but a lot of people called it that he would not be as good this year because teams would have game plan. They would be able to study his tape. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but he did not look very effective against the Patriots. It To me, he was set up for failure. I mean, going up against the Patriots week one when they have all offseason to really game plan and yeah, figure out what you are about, he's running into a buzzsaw. Uh, I mean, the kid's got all the talent in the world. But you see this all the time. Rookies come in, have success because they do things a little bit differently, and then teams can tee in or really just kind of focus in on what you don't do well at and expose you completely. And you need to fix that or you'll just be another washed-up quarterback. No doubt about it. So they face off in week two. So like Scott pointed out to me earlier, Unfortunately, one of those teams will likely yeah. earn a victory. They could end in a tie. That'd yeah. be a win-win, certainly for the Jaguars. But it looks like one of those teams is going to end up with a victory. Um, the Colts, the final team in the division, they fell to the Bengals. Despite Andrew Luck really playing very well, threw for over 300 yards, over 70% completion percentage, few t- two touchdowns. Um No big surprise that they lost to the Bengals. I think the Bengals have a much more talented overall roster. Uh, It'll be interesting, though, with that type of offense, with Andrew Luck playing well, they're going to be able to stay in some games. Yeah, their defense just needs to do something. (laughs) Just to, I don't know, build a brick wall. (laughs) If they hold people under 20, I mean, good good job. Their defense is atrocious. Their offensive line isn't great. Andrew Luck is one of the best quarterbacks at just staying alive in the pocket. Yeah. Um, He's the only reason they might have some sort of success. They shouldn't sniff a winning record. Yeah, I agree with you. They play the Redskins in Week 2. Likely going to fall to 0-2. It's at Washington. Washington's coming off a big win in Arizona where they really trounced the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Um, So... When you look around the AFC South, not a lot of promising prospects for these teams. Yeah. Uh, again, the Titans, Texans, Colts are all 0-1. Titans and Texans will face off in Tennessee this week. Colts will play at the Redskins, and of course the Jaguars will play the Patriots. If the Jaguars are able to get to 2-0, and they're going to be again at least one game ahead in the division. Well, yeah, at least one game ahead. Probably one game ahead of whoever wins Tennessee Versus Houston, but uh, build the lead early. You don't want to have to win games late in the year to ensure your spot in the playoffs. No Get it done it. now. Yep, no doubt about it. Now, Jaguars Patriots preview. Currently, the Patriots are favored anywhere from one to two points over the Jaguars. The official line is one, mm-hmm. which that's I mean, that's showing <laughs> you. Some respect right there. Yeah. When you're when you're any team going against the Patriots and you're only uh, a one point dog, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, the probably one of the best teams in the last fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> at least. I mean, I mean, in the history of football. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, this isn't the same Patriots, I don't think, with all these... Yeah, it's a different look. We'll look We'll look into all this, but uh, it is interesting. Now, the Jaguars will wear teal on white for this one. 4.25 p.m. kickoff again. We'll be at Strata Sounds at 12 p.m. We will have free beverages and uh, pizza for all of our members. You can become a member at genjag.com. And, uh, yeah, hope, hopefully we'll see you guys out there. 12 p.m. Strata Sounds, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. But again, 4.25 p.m. kickoff, Jaguars will, will wear teal on white. How do you feel about that color combo? Love it. I think, until I see, I want to see the all blacks, but that's my favorite as of now. The teal and the white pants, it, you can't go wrong. It's, it's nice. It's awesome. It's yeah, so good. It's a good one for sure. I'm with you there. Teal is, teal is just the way it should be. Oh, yeah. You know? and, I, and I do I do like the all whites. Yeah. I, got, I see a lot of people getting black. I, it looks so clean. I like it. I think all the uniforms look better on mm-hmm. the field than they did I agree. Yeah. when they were just unveiled. They look really clean on the field. It's a good look all around. Patriots offense. You want to start us off here? Tom Brady. Next. What's the defense, What's the defense <laughs> going to say? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's the elephant in the room. I yeah. mean, the best quarterback that's ever played the, football, the, the game of football. Um, how do you stop him? I mean, it... it yeah, that answer still hasn't been that question still hasn't been answered. No, nope. um, Gronkowski's back. He's he got knocked out of the AFC Championship game. Very jerk. He had a huge game last week. Uh, made an incredible catch um, down the middle of the field when he was nothing quadruple teamed. I mean, he's probably the best tight end of all time. Yeah, he might uh, not finish with the stats of like Tony G or longevity. Well. Be an issue with him. At his best, there's no one been better. He's been in the league nine seasons. Yeah, that's crazy. It is. But anyway, um, outside of that, their offensive line is solid. Um, not so much their other skill positions. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the cover's pretty bare. The wide receiver position, Julian Edelman's still suspended. They're only really solid guy at wide receiver right now is um, Chris Hogan, of course. And he's, he's a good player, obviously. He's not caliber of Odell Beckham Jr. type, yeah. but he's a good starting receiver. Uh, they've had 20 wide receiver transactions since the start of camp. That's insane. They're just all over the board with their wide they receivers. three wide receivers on the roster earlier this week. It's crazy. They uh, signed Corey Coleman, yeah. who in the last month has been traded by the Browns and then cut by the Bills. Uh it's not a pretty situation for their wide receiver core, but it's Tom Brady. Yeah. They, uh, Philip Dorsett is the second wide receiver, and uh, Cordero Patterson. Right. Yeah. Former first-round pick. Um, so it's if, – if anyone can win with this, this core, wide receiver core, it's Tom Brady. I mean, he's the one that makes it go. They just have to get where he wants them to go. Yeah. I mean, and in the past, he's gotten the most out of – no name wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, well, he's gotten the most out of Randy Moss. Well, yeah, okay. and Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> but I, I, your point is valid, certainly. Uh, then running back, their other skill Ooh. position, Rex Burkhead has a concussion. He didn't practice Wednesday. Sony Michelle still hasn't mm-hmm. played. He did participate in practice limited. He's been out like a month and a half. Yeah, a knee injury. Um, you've got James White, who's obviously a great receiving mm-hmm. back. Uh, and then they uh, signed. Who did they sign? Jeremy Hill. 
Torres ACL. Uh, Jeremy Hill Torres ACL. They signed what Kenyon Barner. Kenyon Barner this week as yeah. a kick returner. Punt so returner. The, the cupboard is bare, but if there's anybody like we yeah. said who can get it done with a bare cupboard, as long as and Rob 12. Gronkowski and uh, Chris Hogan, it's it's TB12 for sure. Um, the Jaguars' defense, I mean, on paper, this isn't even a matchup. Mm-hmm. But it's all about number 12 and his manipulation of defenses and just understanding what the Jaguars are going to try to do to him. It'll be really interesting. But He's, that Patriots offense, they can put points on the board. But in terms of just talent on paper, yeah. this is not even a fair matchup. It's It's... Yeah, Tom Brady is he's the best quarterback and probably one of the only quarterbacks that can walk up on any given play, look at the defense, and go, here's what they're running, this is what we do to beat it. And a lot of times he's right. Yep. Um, he's an unbelievable student of the game and has the arm to go with it. Um, he, If you can rattle him, hit him early, and hit him often... That is where teams have you've had the most success. Yeah, you've yeah. got a chance. He will make plays. He will do everything he can to beat you. But that, in the past, when he has lost, it's because of he got hit early and often. And any quarterback, if you do that, it, you're gonna their clock's going to speed up and they're not going to be able to do everything that they want to do. Right. So, uh, I mean, again, not a whole lot to see on the Patriots' offensive side of the ball. On defense, they're a bit more interesting, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really got after the Texans with their pass rush. 12 quarterback hits, 3 sacks. Uh, the sack number isn't huge, but again, that's against uh, Deshaun Watson, who's very elusive. Strong pass rush, like I said. Uh, one of the worst offensive lines in football in Houston, yeah. certainly, but still. Uh, the the uh, Patriots have a, a number of guys that can get it done in terms of rushing the pass rush. Or rushing the passer. Adrian Claiborne, uh, Trey Flowers, Kyle Van Noy, Dietrich Wise. They all present a challenge. Uh, first round pick, Derek Rivers. I believe he was a first round pick. Um, coming off a knee injury, finally healthy this year. Um, there's so many playmakers. Dante Young Hightower, yeah. he's a linebacker, but he can still get after it, certainly. And uh, he's one of the better linebackers in football right now. Uh, their pass defense has some really nice pieces. They've got the McCourty brothers. Mm-hmm. They've got Stephon Gilmore. They've got Chung back there still. Eric Rowe. Right. Plenty of guys back there. Uh, they've just got guys that can execute Bill Belichick's scheme and do what he wants them to do. And they seem to be able to rotate guys in and out of New England every year, and they still get the same production. I really kinda, impressive. I kind of bashed the Patriots with the St- Stephon Gilmore signing because I was like this. I mean – I saw when he was in Buffalo. He's a guy with talent, but just was, to me, completely overrated. He earned it last year. Yeah, I mean, no he balled out, and especially against the Jaguars. I mean, he had a great game, sealed a win for them. Um, it's, yeah, it's, their, their secondary, it's a bit underrated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole defense Chung really is. You don't have any superstars out there. Yeah. Uh, Gilmore is a big name. McCordy's a big name. Dante Hightower is a big name. Trey Flowers is kind of developing to a big name, but he's still under the radar. Probably more people know Adrian Claiborne than he. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Definitely a defense is going to present a lot of challenges to any team they face. Uh, special teams-wise, they've got Goskowski at kicker, Allen at punter. Both are really solid. 
you, you like what you see from them. And then they've got their X factor, Cordero Patterson, uh, back there at returning kicks. He's a threat to uh, score on any time he touches the ball, really. You can say what you want about him as a receiver. That man is a weapon yeah. at kick returns. No doubt about it. And uh, that pretty much wraps up our kind of uh, breakdown of their roster there. But we will get into keys to victory on both sides of the ball here. We'll start with defensively. You want to lead us off, Scott? Yeah, I said it earlier. I'll say it again. You have to get pressure. Rushing four. You can bl- bring blitzes every now and then, but he is so good, so good at, beating the blitz. at recognizing it and diagnosing it and figuring out how to beat it in a split second that it doesn't tend to work out very well in your favor. Yeah, um, Getting to him with four rushers, if you can do that regularly, your chances to win go go up. I mean, it's, it's, just, a simple, it's just as easy as that. It's not easy to do it, but it's something that they're going to have to do and have the defense to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so the next point here for keys to victory, make defensive plays when they are there for you. You've got to capitalize. You can't drop interceptions. Yep. You can't uh, not grab the fumble when it's there in your mm. arms if that if that comes up. Don't look like you're down if you do recover. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and when you get close to Brady, get him on the ground. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you can just capitalize on the plays that are there for you, you've got a ch- you got a shot. Yeah, you can't let opportunity slip between your fingers. Literally. Yeah. The the play that you drop the interception, two plays later, guess what? He throws touchdown. a 40-yard touchdown to Gronkowski. Right. I mean, it's just that lethal. So you just, every single opportunity, you have to take it. Yeah. So our uh, final point defensively here. Yeah. I mean, penalties. Again, penalties, penalties, penalties throughout the day against the Giants were absolute killers. It kept one entire drive alive. I ended up with yeah, pretty much their whole drive was penalties. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, they didn't have a ton of penalties defensively against the Giants, mm-hmm. but they were pass interferences. Uh, the two on the one drive, face masks, big penalties. Mm-hmm. Especially on third down, you yeah. cannot have that because again, like it's it's like like dropping the interception. If you give Brady another chance, mm-hmm. he's gonna kill you. You got to capitalize, and you cannot. You cannot give him anything. Yeah, don't give them free plays or free downs. I mean, it's, it's and it's been a problem seemingly since last year. You have to clean it up. Yeah, if this is going to be a, if there's going to be one clean game you play, they don't, this has got to be. A they game. don't need help. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> they, don't, they don't need help. Now moving to the offensive side of the ball for the Jaguars, keep Tom Brady on the sideline, control the clock. Yeah. Uh, how do you do that? Stay ahead of the chains, which the Jaguars struggled to do really, really, really badly in the second half against the Giants. Um, and then mental errors. They had tons of those on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball with uh, the false starts, with the um, uh, hands to the face. You can't have it. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Right. I mean, just dumb mental errors. You really can't have it against the Patriots. Um you want to get into our second point yeah. here on offense? Um, you talked about earlier about how well they were able to exploit the offensive line of the uh, of the Texans. Um, we said we did. They don't have a lot of names, but they have guys that they can keep throwing at you and that can make plays. 
this is a pass rush that has shown, hey, we're for real. So you, the guys up front have to be able, they, they have to give Blake Bortles time because they're going to be disguising a lot of stuff. I mean, they, the Patriots, they get tricky, they game plan, they know what you like to do, and they take that away right. and force you to do to do other things. So it's Blake Bortles is going to need time in the pocket. If he's running around for his life, he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do. He's not going to be able to do what he doesn't want to do. He's just going to be running for his life, hoping that something falls in his lap. Right. So keeping the pocket clean, letting Bortles make good decisions, process the field, and just be able to make just to make plays. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that when you're running for your life. No doubt about it. And uh, this is a team, the Patriots, that dominated the Texans offensive line last week in terms of pass protection. Dominated the Jaguars' offensive line in the second half of the AFC Championship. Jaguars have got to help Bortles on mm-hmm. the offensive line. they got to do it this week. If there's a week to show that you're an improved group, this is it. Uh, the receivers, particularly Dante Moncrief, have got to make more plays. Uh, there was dropped balls last week. Moncrief, no separation, wasn't able to fight for balls. Really should have, in my mind, been able to fight for that. Uh, interception for Janoris Jenkins and maybe not catch it. It wasn't a great ball, but don't let the defender catch it. Yeah. You're there. You you have some decent position. You can knock the ball out of his hands there. You got to be more physical. Um. So yeah, we've got a couple more here. Yeah, um, I'll get into my last one and then <laughs> Scott can finish it off. Have Leonard Fournette play. The Jaguars are a much better team when Leonard Fournette is uh, on the field. I will say they were 3-0 without him last year. And I think if Yeldon goes into the game and the offensive line goes into the game knowing they don't have him, they have a shot to still run the ball well. But this, you're going up against a dynasty, one of the best teams mm-hmm. ever, certainly the best team in the AFC over the last few years. Have Leonard Fournette play. Be at your best. Uh, if you have him on on the field, he gives you your best chance to win. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and then to round it out, my biggest thing is don't if the game is close, try and keep it close. But do you have to do everything you can? I mean, there's no. I think they're going to take the lesson from last year. Don't get complacent. If you happen to have some sort of lead in the fourth quarter, don't sit on it. Go make plays. Go put yeah. points on the board. Keep them out of reach. And, you know, I, I think as much – we haven't talked about this. I think as much as the offense did that, I think the defense did it too. Yeah, I Not agree. just the play calling, mm-hmm. but the players. Yeah. They lose some aggression when they have a lead. Yeah. And they need to be ready to really mm-hmm. fight for it, even if it seems like they have like a 10-point lead or two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, you You've got to be ready to fight for it. Look at the Steelers game. We got a big lead. They stormed right back. We were having to just go step for step with them. The Patriots, they did it last year. You're going to, for a defense as boisterous as it is and as hungry as it is, it's a bit surprising that they would kind of step, you know, take their foot off the throat of the competition. Yeah. But it kind of seems like that's what they do. Just go for the jugular. I mean, put it, put them down, ensure that they can't come back. No doubt. Until the clock says zero. I'm with you there. And that is going to do it for our show today. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we got into a lot. Please, if you're able, leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app. 
Uh, enjoy the first home game of the regular season. We'll be out there tailgating at Strata's Warehouse, 240 Talleyrand Avenue. Gin Jag members can eat and drink for free. You can sign up at ginjag.com. Hopefully the Jaguars can pull out their first victory ever against the Patriots. They're 0-8 as of right now. The only AFC, have, without, AFC team without a win against, against Tom Brady. Yep, they'll have their first shot at or not their first shot, but they'll have their shot at it this Sunday against the Patriots, 425. They'll be wearing teal. They'll be looking good. Hopefully they can be playing just as good. Uh, please follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar on Twitter, at Generation Jag. Check out GenJag.com for all the latest news and analysis, Duval-themed gear, and of course, thank you to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the GenJag podcast. Find them online at BoldCityBrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can go visit them downtown on East Bay Street or at their original tap room on Roselle in Riverside. Thanks again for listening to the show, everybody. We'll let you ride out on some bro here. <laughs>